Yay, yay, everybody. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Tim Patrop, here with the one, the only, the only guy that didn't cheat in the Astros dugout, Mike Patrop. What's good, Mike? I wish I was in the Astros dugout. Yo, do you know what's crazy? And not to cross sports or anything, but for those baseball fans out there, you know that the Astros were caught stealing signs digitally. Yes. Um, And now, of course, the Mets have somehow found their way into a bumblefuck with a team that has nothing to do with them whatsoever. And Carlos Beltran has got his name involved in this whole ordeal. Yep. And it sucks. It's just like being a Jets. Classic Mets. Classic Mets, classic Jets. Why can't our teams ever get it together? Yeah, who knows? What, Knicks? The Rangers even like suck. I don't even watch. I don't even watch hockey. The Rangers suck. Did you know that? It couldn't be like Evan Gaddish or something. I mean, I. You know what's funny? All the video I watch of all the ones where you hear the thumps. So for those who don't know, what would they do is they they had like a super zoom, in on the signs, right? Like a a super camera technology to get the signs, and then if it was a breaking ball, you would hear, from the dugout, and if it's a fastball, you heard nothing. And some pitchers noticed it. You Darvish noticed it. Danny Farquhar noticed it. And Mike then Fires, who's the one? Mike, well, Mike Fires, Fires is the one, it. right? Yeah. And Mike Fires is the one who said, "Yes, I was on the Astros. We did this." And uh, it's, it's been this whole scandal. And uh, this is and so now so here's a question I want to ask you, Michael, to start the show. What's worse, the MLB situation that we have right now, or Spygate? What's what what is the like? What's the worst? What's a worse violation of the integrity of the game that they're playing? I think they're both equally terrible. Well, that's the that's the easy way out. Which but one's they're worse? both. I don't think one of them is worse than the other. They're both physically like on purpose cheating. Right. With a video. Right. It's the same exact thing. Exactly. Which is why everyone's going mad hard right now against the Astros and the Red Sox now with Alex Cora. I do not remember this much backlash going against the Patriots at all. Spygate was a big one. When I don't know, was, man. What, Even when it occurred, I, I do I do not remember this many people being angry about it. I mean And it got swept over in like a year. No one discusses it anymore. That that's the thing that drives me insane. I know I, I had like no one tarnishes their Super Bowl wins. No. No. Exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah. And I how everyone wants the Astros rings to be taken away and shit like well, that. Well, people were calling for that with the Patriots. Also when Spygate went down, what year was that? 2014, 2015? Probably, yeah. It's a different time. There wasn't as many communication channels. That's true. So more... Like Twitter and everything. Right, right. So like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, fucking 800 podcasts, including ourselves. But I'll tell you this. I think they should absolutely be handed a lot of harsh penalties for it, as the Patriots should have too for Spygate. There's no need for cheating. You already have the best of the best. You're in the MLB. You're in an MLB team. You don't need to cheat. Like, the Astros team was great. Why do you need to cheat just to get a little bit of just that extra push? Like, yeah. yo, just beat the teams if you're that good. Especially dudes who's like, it's like, all right, A.J. Hinch is a former player. Carlos Beltran was a former player. Alex, Alex Cora. Cora was a for, former player. You expect more of these guys. Yeah. Or maybe since they were all former players, they've just, things like this have been going on forever. They probably were just like, yeah, this, this is, is a cheating. Way. This is just, yeah. Right. What's the way that I could think of that's better than the way that these guys are cheating? Yeah, because like everyone instead of the guy on second base telling you a fastball is coming or something right. like that. Right, right. I think that's what. Uh, although I do think it's very harsh, people are I think are overblowing it because it seems like they knew every pitch that was coming, but it was only in certain spots in certain home games, and, I mean I can't really defend them, but I'm just saying like that might be a reason for the overblowing of it because people just think it's a bigger thing than it is. For me, man. This is bad, but I think Spygate is way worse. <coughs> like, there's one thing of stealing pitches. Because once once the pitch comes, like, baseball is a very, like, game of inches. So even if you know what pitch it is, you put the perfect swing on it, you time it correctly, everything, like, something can still go wrong. On the other hand, you have the greatest show on turf, one of the best offenses in the history of football, against an upstart team that was a huge underdog. How did they hold them to 13 points, I believe, or 10 points? What was it? I can't remember. How did they hold them to that? They hadn't been held to 13, 13 points, but not once that entire season. It's because football is a game of chess. Sometimes you have a really, really good queen that kills everyone. 
But most of the time, football teams are also evenly matched and it's a game of chess. And if you know the next move of the person that's coming at you, you win that game, period. No matter how good you are or bad you are. And that started a dynasty. And that made Dick Vermeil not win a, a, what do you call, a Super Bowl. That made Marty Morningweg have to end up going to Detroit. Who knows what what could have happened with that. That made Kurt Warner kind of start falling off. That made the whole Rams organization move to L.A. I mean, but then this you could say the same thing about the pitchers who got spanked by the Astros. That's true. Guys like Danny Farquhar who go in. Like, this is a very mediocre major league pitcher just trying to stay on the squad. You you have a one-run lead. You give up four runs and two pitches on a single and a three-run home run because runners were already on base or something like that. Yeah. And it's and it's because they knew a curveball was coming. Like, that's not fair either. And there was absolutely scenarios where that occurred. It's terrible. Bottom line is don't be a cheating piece of shit. Yeah. I feel bad for the Dodgers, dude. Like, they played the Astros and Red Sox in back-to-back World Series. What about the—I the, hate to I hate to feel bad for the Yankees, but the Yankees are the same way. But, I, I mean, they, they would have—sure, they, they, they could have made it to this, the World Series, but, like, they would have had another opponent. Like, the Dodgers were there. Yeah, the Dodgers were there. Twice in a row against the two teams that have been implicated in this whole thing. With Alex Cora and the Red Sox and the Astros, of course, mainly. Hmm. With, like, record-breaking teams. Yeah. It's messed up. Unfortunate for the Dodgers out in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's not unfortunate for everyone else? Six minutes and 42 seconds in, we're going to start the show now. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we just got to talk a little baseball. Got to love it. The Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. Right now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Now, I could talk about that all day, but I want to talk about something much more fun, and that's fantasy football. Man, I miss talking about uh, baseball. The Brodo OGs know that we used to talk about fantasy baseball as well. Yes, we did. We used to also be a fantasy baseball show. We did. And then we decided to go fantasy football year-round. Yeah, we did. We did it for the brand. Yes. So far, it's been working out. I'm a mean fantasy baseball player. Michael is better at fantasy baseball than anyone I've ever met. He's also better at fantasy baseball than he is at fantasy football. So that's saying something, because you're pretty damn good at fantasy football. Well, it's like a 199 overall rating. <laughs> and humble. And humble, too, on top of it. Um, Don't get it twisted. <laughs> today, we have a very special episode for you. Today, we're going to be doing a week in review. But you're like, wait, it was the playoffs. We're going to be doing a year in review what? with the same categories what, that what? you guys have come to know and love from the Brodo Boys. With Donnie H and all that. Donnie H and all of it. Speaking of Donnie H, you ready, Michael? Oh, boy. Donnie, what you got? Those stories and more in just two minutes. Stay with us. Thanks for joining us this half hour. I'm Don Harrison. Donnie H. Around the world in 30 minutes. This is Headline News. The headlines for today, let's oh, start. Oh, Tim, wait, the, that beginning just got me thinking of game show songs. Do you see who won the Jeopardy GOAT tournament? No, no, but it was it's Ken Jennings. Over. Ken Jennings won, yeah. He deserves it. He's the real GOAT. It was uh, yesterday. All James had to do was hit that last question, you know, the one where you could double your money or whatever, and yeah. he would have won by like two grand. He got it wrong. He got it wrong. The final Jeopardy. It was a Shakespeare question, yeah. Damn. He got final Jeopardy wrong. Was that the first final Jeopardy that any of them had gotten wrong all week? I don't know. Huh. He would have he ended up would have ended up winning and then it would have been tied two up, but he got it wrong and Ken Jennings got it right. Congratulations so. to the Go Ken Jennings. Yeah. That's my guy. Like I, I fuck with his sense of humor as well. Like They're he'll funny. be mad smart and then he'll come out with a mad funny something that's super that inappropriate. Dude James is funny too, man. He's He's funny, but he's also a little, like, weird. Like, I don't know if you notice this, but the whole time he sits and his, like, back is kind of turned to the other two guys. Yeah, he, like, like he sits in a Yeah, he sits in a position where he's not he's not looking at them. And then when he turns to talk to Ken, his face goes forward all the way. You know, after, after the first Jeopardy or whatever, when all their scores go back to zero, he's like, all right, I'm going to clear the board now of your scores. And the dude Ryan was his name, the first one, yeah. already had a zero. And James was like, you forgot to change Ryan's score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy got pummeled. Yeah, he was bad. <laughs> um, all right, so speaking about getting pummeled, the first uh, headline for you guys, Jason Garrett 
interviewing to be the Giants offensive coordinator. Oh boy. So uh, so we're not going to get into offensive coordinators and what they mean yet. We're going to have a whole thing this offseason about the new coaching changes, new offensive coordinator situations, things of that nature, things that you need to know that are going to be coaching staff fantasy relevant. One of the most underrated things that people do not take into consideration in fantasy football is coaching. Um, if you if you are just a fair weather fan or don't really know your stuff, you might take a Russell Wilson too early. And guys like us who do pay attention to these things let you know, hey, um, Brian Schottenheimer is the offensive coordinator there. He doesn't like to he likes to run the ball. He doesn't really like to throw the ball. Russell Wilson's gonna have big games, but he's gonna have shitty games. And what you get is QB Wilson. I mean, uh, Russell Wilson, QB thirteen, and. Some big games, some small games. Exactly like we predicted in the offseason. But Sch- that's because Brian we, Schottenheimer offense. Right. That's because he was in a Brian Schottenheimer offense that we just happen to be very familiar with, too, because we're Jets fans. Yes, we um, so a Brian Schottenheimer offense, and it doesn't matter what the player is. How long have we not watched Brian Schottenheimer on the Jets? It's been years now. Long time. And his offense has just not changed at all. Yeah. 2009, 2010, he's running the same offense, which was super effective in 2009, 2010. Because they had a dominant defense and a shitty rookie quarterback. But anyway, um, NFL media's Mike Garofolo reports Folo reports former Cowboys coach Jason Garrett is interviewing for the Giants vacant offensive coordinator job today. So without getting into what that means for the fantasy players of the New York Giants, if it happens, what about Jason Garrett taking some revenge, huh? That that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Because like he's like family with the Joneses. He would definitely ask permission first. I don't think so. He would. He got the dirty, bro. Oh, man, he's been Jerry Jones's like son forever. That's true. He's not just gonna go to the Giants and be like, "Screw you, Jerry." And they didn't really do him dirty. I'm bugging. They did him like super clean, actually. Yeah. They gave him a very like pain free death. Yeah. You know, like they gave him honor before he it's died. It's over now. It's like Game of Thrones. You know, when like they allow you to step up to the chopping block and like, all right, say your final words, and then they just give him one clean swipe. The Ned Stark. Right, the Ned Stark. Well, no, that was a little disrespectful. Spoiler. More about like the next, the Ned Stark or what he does in the opening scene of the show. Gives that guy a little respect. Then Fair cuts enough. him off. All right. <laughs> That's our Game of Thrones update. Uh, speaking of Game of Thrones, uh, one of the White Walkers, Larry Fitzgerald, will play in tw- Arizona in 2020. The ageless one will not, um, will not retire. Uh, the dude is going to sign a one-year, $11 million deal to extend his career. And, you know, shout out to Larry Fitzgerald. You're old, but you're still good, bro. Shout out. Yeah. Pretty, I mean, honestly, I feel like the Cardinals have to be a little annoyed by it <laughs> at this point. I mean, I would say that if he wasn't balling still. Like, he led the team in receiving yards this right. year. So, but I mean, yeah, if they're just going to keep signing him to one-year deals and whatever, it's not like they have some crazy wide receiver core to kick Larry Fitzgerald to the curb like they got Christian Kirk and then the young dudes and Keyshawn Johnson and Demir Bird and Hakeem Butler and guys like that so I think what gives him an advantage too is that he was never he was never a guy who beat guys by his talent like when he was young he was super talented plus he was super smart he's a very good athlete now he's super smart so he could still get open so him having him playing in the slot and having him mentor some young guys you could do worse yeah, he he's definitely gonna end up being a coach. He's thirty six, so it's it's not like there is precedent for older receivers. If you like, the greats go this far. Chris Carter, thirty six. Chris Carter, That's crazy. Randy Moss, I think, went over thirty six. Uh, Jerry Rice, like the greats, and Larry Fitzgerald's up there in that conversation. The greats can go longer. Fitzgerald's thirty six, and we got a thirty year old being signed as the Carolina Panthers OC. Yeah, crazy. Joe Brady, the LSU. Coming from LSU to join the Carolina as the OC. So let's get into this because this is going to be one of the headlines. I but I guess we yeah, do it right just now. Kind of skip so the new it. the new OC in Carolina, LSU Tiger, thirty years old. Um, a lot of people thought that it was contingent. Um, Matt Rule taking the job is that he wanted Brady with him, and that's that's the rumor. So two young guys, two young innovative minds. Joe Barrow just had the best season of, in the history of. Dude, Joe Burrow. In the history of college football. that Even that last game, you know, he just he does whatever he wants on the field. Yeah, he it's does. Nuts. And he, I didn't know. Honestly, I'm not a big into, like, watching college football. I, like, I know the scouting reports on the guys. Um, I see the highlights of the guys. But I'm not really into the, the 
play to play because first of all, I don't like college football. Second of all, um, I just don't think you can evaluate someone against far inferior competition. Like it's for me, it's okay to take a step back because if I see him make an amazing play against fucking Appalachian Western State Kentucky, yeah. right, it's going to cloud my judgment. So, I, but I watch him in the big games, and he was big in that big game, and he could run. He could run. That's the most important part. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about Joe Brady? Oh, J- Joe Brady. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be him and Matt Rule running that team. It's going to be should be a super fun year. I mean, this is like the the Cliff Kingsbury of last year, the how everyone was so excited about the Cardinals offense because of the young innovative guy. And now they got that going in Carolina, and when you have that with a weapon like Christian McCaffrey, I'm sure they'll be able to make a lot happen. They're just they got to either get Cam healthy again or they got to do something in Carolina to get a new QB in there, but it should be fun. If I was the Carolina Panthers, I would trade Christian McCaffrey. I would get rid of him. Try and get a first-round pick for running back. Well, that's why you don't general manage the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I mean, he's he's going to help someone win a lot of games. Uh, just the Panthers, I don't think, are in that position right now to win a lot of games, even if Cam does come back. Um, Luke Keekley unfortunately, retires after eight seasons. When you think Luke Keekley you think stud, beast. You think best middle linebacker in the game. You think smart. You think leader. You also think concussions. Yep. So Luke Keith, Luke Keekly, excuse me, um, kind of saw the writing on the wall. The Carolina Panthers, like I said, don't seem to be in a position to compete anytime soon. Even if they do get Cam back, that defense was horrid this year. Um, new head coach uh, on a six-year deal. So you imagine, like kind of like in the 49ers vein, this is a long-term deal. This is in the, the for the long haul. Um, he's just like, fuck it. Turning 29, uh, soon retires at 28. Oh man. Played in the Super Bowl, seven pro bowls, five all pros, defensive rookie of the year in 2012, defensive player of the year in 2013. And he said he still wants to play. He just doesn't feel like he can play at his max level. This might, this is going to, is Luke Keekley all of famer? Yes. Even, even though he played in such a short time. Yes, because he was... The best player there. Right. The whole time, basically. Like, yeah. he was the best middle linebacker from when he walked onto the field to when he walked off the field. And maybe Bobby Wagner has something to say about that, but those two. I mean, Bobby Wagner didn't really come on, though, until later on, I feel like. It was Keekly. It was Keekly, and then as Bobby Wagner developed as a player, like Bobby Wagner, the Bobby Wagner we see today was not necessarily the Bobby Wagner that was the middle linebacker for those Super Bowl teams. I feel like he's better now. I feel like he was still coming into his own. Yeah, time. but he's still he's like a, a stud middle linebacker. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yes, you're right. Um, Chad Ochocinco trying out to be a kicker in the XFL. That's awesome. I there's really nothing else to say about that. I told Nick Lamb, who was on the show last week, the good the good brother brother. I told yeah, him he like posted yo, on Twitter a, a video of him kicking at the XFL or whatever. Yo, go try out, bro. Dude has a leg. Yeah. He used to kick for college. Go, go. He could kick 50-yard field goals. Yeah. Why not? I'd do it. Yeah. I wish I could kick 50-yard fucking field goals. Um, Kevin Stefanski, since the last time we met, hired as the Browns' new head coach. Should integrate a lot of running and play action with Chubb, Hunt, and, uh, and Baker Mayfield. If they don't get any offensive line help, which... I bet they will. They're, he's going to have to do a lot of that to try to cover up that really bad offensive line. But it's a conservative move for the Browns, but it should be good for Baker, I think. Bill Lazor, formerly of the Bengals, um, is now the new offensive coordinator for the Bears. Yep. So very interesting. That is that is that your final answer, Michael? Yep. I mean, as long as the Bears have Mitch Trubisky, I'm not going to be interested in them. So. All right. Um, I think that's it for the news for now. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's do it. Um, for those of you who don't remember how this works, the way that this works is we are taking you through categories. Let's go through these categories Almost again. Category. Since we might have some new listeners or some people who haven't. We haven't run this episode for a few weeks now. So just, yeah. just I mean, now it's the end of year review. Right, it is. So just a little reminder. First, it's the I Saw That Coming From A Mile Away Award. Uh, the things that we saw, not award, just category. Uh, things that we saw coming 
from a mile away. And this time, again, we're talking about year in review, right? So it's not just last week. It's the entire year. So kind of some things that we called in the offseason that went right. Then, surprise, surprise, some of the things that we weren't necessarily necessarily expecting in the offseason um, that went really right. And then we got the stock rising. These are guys that we think are going forward into next year with a brighter outlook um, than last year. For example, if we ran this show last last year, Chris Godwin probably would have been in this situation. And then finally, stock falling. Guys who were drafted high or drafted wherever they were drafted, and their stocks are going down, 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 down. So let's get into the first category. I saw that coming. Let's do it. I saw that coming from a mile away. So the first I saw that coming, Michael, why don't you take it away? First I saw that coming is was my love for the third round this season. We gotta hang we gotta hang our hats on this one because we <coughs> called this and everyone was scared and we did not you're scared, you're scared. You're a scared, you're a scared. The one, the man, the myth, the legend, the will be playing on Sunday running back, Mr. Aaron Jones himself. Woohoo! Aaron Jones had a year and a half, uh, 1,084 rushing yards, 474 receiving yards, 49 receptions. But to top all that off, he had 19 total touchdowns. That's what really buoyed him the entire year. Uh, uh, that's multiple me. That's games. Me my pants. He had multiple games over 24 fantasy points. I think five games of that many points. A couple over 40. Blow where up. he just won you your week. Uh, he ended up as the number two overall running back, I believe. So in half PPR format. So Aaron Jones, shout out to you. We were all over you, and he proved us right. Aaron Jones was someone that I was trying to acquire in a lot of leagues. And in the leagues I had him, I did well. In the leagues I didn't have him, I still did well, but not as well. I missed the playoffs in one league, man. It it really pissed me off. I can't remember the last time I missed the playoffs in any league. Happens to the best of us, Tim. <sighs> it hurts. Um, this is a guy who I was not shy about loving all the way this offseason. I, on multiple occasions, said I would rather not take anyone at this position and just wait for this guy later on in drafts that could be had later on in drafts that went undrafted in some cases and start him in my tight end position. And that is Mark Andrews. That's right, Michael. I finally won the tug of war between you and I. I won. Can you admit it? His stock I, was going up. His stock went down for a little bit. Michael, just admit. Admit one time. One time. One time. I won't. <laughs> Mark Andrews finishes at the, as the tight end four and a half PPR formats. Uh, listen to this, because I have some stats that are going to blow your mind. Because Hit me with your best shot. Finished fifth in receptions, 98. 98 receptions among all tight ends. This is despite the fact that he was on the field only 43.2% of the time. That is 67th. 67th yeah, for very, tight ends. Very little. I told you not to shy away from Mark Andrews because of the snap count. I told you that Lamar Jackson loves to target his tight ends. I told you that Lamar Jackson, half of his completions... Might go to tight ends this year. Michael, guess how many of his completions went to tight end this year? Percentage-wise? Yes. 68. 50! Like your boy said, he was in the slot as well over a third of the time that he was on the field. So this guy is not just a tight end. He led his entire team in catches with 64. Led the entire team in yards, receiving yards, with 852. He led all tight ends in the league in deep targets of 20 or more yards away with 20. He saw one of every four passes that his team threw. Same in the red zone. That is third in the NFL. He led all tight end tight ends with 10 TDs. And this is one thing that I learned just in looking up Mark Andrews uh, today. Do you know what hog rate is, Michael? Hog rate? Hog rate. Isn't it like the amount of targets you get when you run a um, run a route or whatever? Look at Michael. Captures the rate of passing game utilization on a per-play basis by calculating the number of targets per snap. This metric helps to identify wide receivers and tight end with limited route trees that may have low snap count and target share, but when they are on the field... They are the focal point of the passing offense. Guess where Mark Andrews ranked in Hog first. Number definitely one. First. Yeah. So even though he was not on the field for a lot, he was obviously the main focus when he was on the field. Next year will be the same thing. Don't expect Mark Andrews to be on the field 50% of the time or over. But he will get the production that you need out of a tight end one. 
He is here to stay. I screamed it from the mountaintops, and it was right, because there's two things I screamed very loud from the mountaintops this year. This I got right, and the other one I got very wrong. I'm gonna, that's my last one, so I'm going to save that one. But this one I'm hanging my Fun. hat on proud, because this one I was this one wants people some championships. And my second we saw that coming is another running back who me and Jason are both all over. Hey, I got hey, him. me too. And you. I got him at number... <laughs> and you. And and you as well. All three of You're us. You're a hater. Again. I got him in the ninth round in the Raz Bowl, for instance, back before he ended up becoming a fourth, fifth round pick. And then when he was a fourth, fifth round pick, I got him everywhere as well. Of course, I'm talking about Austin Eckler, who had 557 rushing yards, but most importantly, 92 receptions, 993 receiving yards, and 11 total touchdowns. Was the RB1 when Melvin Gordon was out, was still an RB1 when Melvin Gordon returned, despite only touching the ball 10 to 12 times each game. And not, not for nothing, too, not to, you know, not to toot our own horn too much. But this podcast was the only one telling you not to trade Austin Eckler when Melvin Gordon came. Yeah, I remember one person in particular said to trade Austin Eckler for Marlon Mack and then laugh it off, like, before the season started because it's such a steal. And I was like, holy moly, people suck at fantasy. Imagine if you traded Austin Eckler for Marlon Mack, you would have been... Even, so in, a, even right in a standard league. Yeah, even in a standard league. Yeah, yeah. Austin Eckler had a year and a half, so shout out to Austin Eckler. Shout out to us for telling you <laughs> to be all over Austin Eckler. Yeah, my second guy. Um, this is another situation where we have a stat, and that stat is true throw value. And when we made the stat, we were very confident in it. But last year was the first year of the stat. It was kind of in beta form. And we had to test it out. And there was one thing that we could not wrap our minds around. And that was how, among all of the quarterbacks that are playing, does Ryan Tannehill have the sixth best rating in this for the 2018 season? And this is us. Like, we also are in the AFC East. We've seen Ryan Tannehill. We are Ryan Tannehill fans. And even us who kind of saw Ryan Tannehill for more than he could be were like, what the hell is going on? Like, there has to be something wrong with the stat, right? No. What we did was we stuck to our guns. We stayed with the stat. And Michael and Jason sat here. I wasn't I wasn't quick enough to say this because I I actually thought Marcus Mariota could have a good contract season oh. this year. But Michael and Jason sat here and they said, by the middle of the season, Ryan Tannehill will be the starting quarterback for the, the Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee Titans will be better for it. And that's exactly what happened. Last year, I mean, sorry. Um, we, uh, ay, ay, I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, nine weeks as a starter. Nine. He put up 207 points. Let's extrapolate that over 16 games. I know that's not um, something that is, you know, really right, but we're doing it anyway. He would have finished as the QB6. He had you big games in the playoffs. He was the waiver pickup of the year. Uh Winner. So uh, Ryan Tannehill is my... We saw that coming. The true value king of the 2019 fantasy season. Shout out to my man, Ryan Tannehill. Facts. Um, so if you're like, man, I just tuned in. These guys seem to like really be smelling themselves, and they, they think their shit don't stink. Well, this is the part where we uh, tell you about our stinky shits. Um, here are four guys that we did not see coming at all. Surprise, motherfucker. So the first guy, I'm going to start this one out. <coughs> Last year I got burned because I loved DJ Moore and I loved Cortland Sutton. And DJ Moore and Cortland Sutton were both rookie wide receivers. And I made that mistake without taking that into consideration. So I go back into the history and I see that rookie wide receivers really don't have success in the first half of their first season. So that means that, you know, keep them at arm's length, monitor them, Pick them up later. This year, we had rookies that not only came on strong, they came on strong right away. We had five rookies in the wide receiver three category or better. A.J. Brown was wide receiver 15. And guys, all these stats are for half-point PPR with no bonuses or anything like that. A.J. Brown, wide receiver 15. Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 28. <coughs> Debo Samuel, wide receiver 29. D.K. Metcalf, wide receiver 32. And Darius Slayton finished wide receiver 35. Last year, there was absolutely no rookies 
that were wide receiver twos or be- twos or better. The best rookie wide receiver last year was uh, Calvin Ridley. He finished as a wide receiver three, and there was three people last year that finished as wide receiver three. So if you look at that that turnover and the wide receivers, the wide receivers that you saw in the past, there's not really anyone except OBJ and the class that OBJ had that really had success in their first year. I think that this year with all this talent coming out, that this might open up a new door for rookie wide receivers and it will be a whole new era in fantasy if you can start drafting rookie wide receivers and expecting them to have big games right away. Next year is going to be super interesting because there are going to be some wide receivers like Jerry Judy and T. Higgins, guys like that coming out, and people are going to want to draft them high. Usually in the past, it hasn't been the best idea. But yeah, this year, if you took a chance on the rookie wide receivers, you you were very happy about it. And that doesn't even include Hollywood Brown, who missed a lot of time because of injury. But when he did play, was up there. True. So, uh, there was a there was a stat <laughs> last week. Darius Slayton as well. I said Darius Slayton. Okay. Yeah, he finished the wide receiver 35. There was something last week that said every single team that was still in the playoffs last week had a rookie wide receiver making in-depth contributions. If you look at the 49ers, you got Debo Samuel. Uh, who did the 49ers beat again? Who they who they beat down on last week? The, Vikings. The, Se- the Seahawks. Oh, no, no. The Vikings. Uh, oh, I guess Ola Bissy Johnson. Bissy Johnson. Man, I don't think the Vikings count here. Still. <laughs> let's let's take the Vi- Vikings out. And then you got who else was still in the playoffs last year? Oh, why am I blanking right now? I was going to say. The Titans, A.J. Brown. Titans, A.J. Brown. The Seahawks. D.K. Metcalf. Yes. Um, 49ers, Debo Samuel. Said that one. And there's one more that we're missing. Who are the Titans playing against? The Chiefs. Chiefs. Eh, Michael Hardman. Michael Hardman, I guess. No, he, 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 he played a role. He did have that huge kick return, which started their rally. Right. So you see the rookie wide receivers, and they're making big impacts. So I think that's uh, something that I did not expect, but something that Oh, and could the Packers. Su- the Packers don't have a rookie wide receiver. Alan Lazard. Yeah. Interesting. There you go. Rookie wide receivers making their presence felt. <clears throat> very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Michael, who's your first surprise surprise? My first surprise surprise is someone I vowed to never draft again because I was tired of his bullshit, man. And then, of course, he went and fits magic himself. <laughs> of course, it's talking about Devontae Parker. Yep. I just did not want to take the chance on this guy again sitting at the end of your bench doing what he does. But it all came together this year, man. In, in year five, finally, 72 receptions, 1,202 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, was a wide receiver one on the season, was a top five wide receiver the second half of the year. I mean, weeks 15 and 16, 21 and a half and 20 and a half, half PPR fantasy points, week 13, 32 and a half. The dude was just a stud down uh, the end of the season, and I did not own him anywhere, sadly, because I just, it's been four years of the same Devontae Parker, and I did not think a fifth-year breakout was coming, and I was sadly mistaken there, but... I'm telling you, it has a lot to do with the magic of Ryan Fitzpatrick, who just goes out there, slings it, and makes plays. Yep. If I'm the Bears, I'm going after Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. That's wild. That's wild. Ryan Fitzpatrick is way better than Mitch Trubisky. You're a wild boy. Uh, let's talk about something that— You'd rather have Mitch Trubisky next season going into the year than Ryan Fitzpatrick if you're the Bears? I, I would roster them both, but I'd be leaning Trubisky. Cause I don't, I That's don't, your bias showing. No, because I don't, I don't not believe in Mitch Trubisky after one bad season. <laughs> People forget how good he was two years ago. Up. Don't you you up pull yourself. Up. Thirteen and three, <laughs> motherfucker. Bitch ass. Yo bitch. <laughs> Alright. Um uh, or twelve and four. Um my second surprise surprise was Leonard Fournette. Here's why. Leonard Fournette before this season was a bust two years in a row. Last year he only put up hundred and nine fantasy points. Now this is because he was not healthy. But the narrative around Leonard Fournette was that he was not a pass catcher. And then completely out of nowhere, unexpected, no one saw this coming. I didn't hear anyone say, pick up Leonard Fournette this year 100% because he's going to be a pass. 100 targets this season. He was the RB9 with 237 points. He only had 109 last season. And the reason why I say that twice is because 98 points came in the passing game. So if you really look at it, he wasn't that much better rushing. And... He could have been a massive disappointment because he didn't find the end zone like you would expect. If you expect Leonard Fournette to score 237 points, you think 98% of the 98 of those points are coming from touchdowns, not coming from receptions. And they came from receptions. So this makes me very bullish on Leonard Fournette next year if presented with similar circumstances because 
his touchdown should regress to the mean. Um, and then his, his, uh, I just farted and it took my attention away. Oh, it stinks. Jeez, oh. Louise. And his passing game work. Woo. Tim, you are disgusting. Oh my God. Holy moly. I taste it. Passing game work. Come on, man. <laughs> just happened. I farted. What are you doing over there on your phone, millennial? You're notes? distracting me. Well, again, notes. What do you mean? I was opening up notes. I'm trying to. I'm trying to take the. I'm trying to take the the attention off of my fart. Way to go. Unsuccessfully. <laughs> there have been times in the past where maybe you could catch me strolling. Not right now, Tim. <laughs> strolling. On like Twitter or something. Scrolling, bro. Strolling. No. Scrolling. It's not like strolling on Twitter. Michael. Checking our notifications. Please. I'm strolling. Please don't tell me you call strolling it strolling. Along. No, obviously scrolling is this. No, I, I you're not strolling. You don't like, stroll on Twitter. Like, I'm just strolling. You stroll on the street. <laughs> Stop. I'm sticking Admit it. to it. I'm no! sticking to it. No, you can't. You can stroll on Twitter. No, you cannot stroll yeah, on Twitter. If you just stroll down your uh, timeline for 15 minutes. No, you can't. <laughs> it's the worst. Who's your second guy? <clears throat> My second guy. All right, first I someone I was wrong about, right? You want you want some some ammo against me? Juju Smith Schuster, all right? I love ah, Juju going into the season. I'm not going to told that against you. I mean, it ended up being an absolutely terrible pick. Injuries or not, things like that happen. <clears throat> but that's not who I want to point out because we've spoken about Juju enough on this podcast over the last year. I want to talk about someone who nobody in the world saw coming. Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Because surprise, surprise, Raheem Mostert ended up leading the uh, San Francisco 49ers backfields in rushing touchdowns and led the NF all NFL running backs in rushing average. He also led the San Francisco 49ers in special teams tackles. He literally did everything for the for 49ers. Real. Talk about Jack of all trades. You lead in special teams tackles. Ended with 770 rushing yards, 180 receiving yards. Uh... 10 total touchdowns became a workhorse not not a workhorse per so per se but he was the lead back in a Kyle Shanahan offense he was as workhorsey as Kyle Shanahan yeah gets. at the end of the year uh end of the year with five straight double digit fantasy performances going into next season if they stick with that backfield Raheem Mostert could be zero RB gold because people I still think are going to be shied away and you're going to be able to get him uh probably in like the eighth ninth round I don't know if he's going to fall that far, but I can see him as like a 6th, 7th round pick. Even then, I'd probably take him. What if Jarek McKinnon comes back? You think there's any chance Jarek McKinnon makes an impact? At this point, I just forget about Jarek McKinnon. How about the fact that Tevin Coleman came out of nowhere and just was the main back last week? Hello, Kyle Shanahan. He rides the hot hand. Jeez Louise. You saw it happen with Tevin Coleman so many times. Stole two touchdowns. I mean, you could say that Raheem Mostert stole all of the touchdowns like Tevin Coleman was going to Except Raheem make. Mostert's been way better all season. Yeah, I mean, I remember I remember seeing this coming with Tevin Coleman because I had him on my team. And you were, I, you guys, if you followed the Monday episodes, you probably saw me go from jubilation from from uh, Tevin Coleman to within, jubilation, nice. jubilation to within three weeks being completely like an utterly destroyed by him. You went from a running to a stroll. <laughs> Yo, shut the fuck up, I swear to God. <laughs> Um, so those are the guys that we did not see coming at all. Now we're going to get into three guys each that stocks are rising. So for example, if you bought their stock at the end of this year, hold on to it because it's about to explode. It's about yep. to Roku you is what I'm saying. Mom, um, Tim, I bought stock in Roku and it's shot up like three times since then. $18. <laughs> but at 18, go check, go check the, go check, go ahead, go stop, pause, put this on pause or you don't even have to. Phones are multitasking. Just put, multitasking. Ro- just put Roku Roku stock, stock symbol at one thirty two fifty. Damn it, went down. It it was went, at, oh wow, yeah, it did go down. It was at one fifty at like. twelve p.m. It's gone like down like three bucks since twelve p.m. Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's taking a little bit of a slide this week. It's making me nervous. I also have Apple though. It's making up for it. Uh, let's get into the stocks. Yeah, let's not actually talk about stocks. Yeah. Something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. Now. Right now, John, the stock trades over the counter at 10 cents a share. And by the way, John, our analyst indicator could go a heck of a lot higher than that. We are looking at a grand slam home run. Speaking of grand slam home runs, I'm just going to throw a shot in the dark out there. If you're listening to this and you are a computer programmer and you can write code, hit me up on Twitter. At Broto, at Broto FF Tim. 
I've got a I've got an idea for a fantasy game that I want to run by you and see if you can make it happen. And if you can make it happen, let's get rich together. What do you say? Hit me. At Brodo FF Tim. Um, let's go to the stock up segment. Michael, who's your first person whose stock is going up going into the 2020 season? My first stock up here is Darius Slayton, the sixth round rookie, I believe. 84 targets on the air, 48 receptions, 740 yards. Got to love the yards per reception there for Slayton. Uh, eight touchdowns on the year. Really started coming on at the end of the year as well. And start he had a two that two touchdown performance with uh Eli Manning and then that two touchdown performance with Daniel Jones so he showed he's not just a one trick pony with Eli Manning on the field and Daniel Jones look you could say all you want about Daniel Jones he ended up having a decent uh rookie season and you do expect him to progress going into next year you also expect Darius Slayton to progress going into next year especially with how well he played as a rookie and Sterling Shepard always out with those injuries. You never know what's going to go on with him. Golden Tate is Golden Tate is Golden Tate at this point. Like he's not going to steal outside work from anyone. And then Evan Ingram, who's always hurt. I mean, Darius Slayton has the opportunity to keep growing in this offense, keep meshing with uh with Daniel Jones. And um, I think if you picked up Darius Slayton, because I doubt a lot of people owned Darius Slayton going into last season or. Maybe like super deep dynasty leagues or something of that sort. But Darius Slayton's stock is definitely up from way up from what it was prior to this season. Reminds not in the in a game sense, but a situation sense of Victor Cruz, right? Someone who came on strong and then kind of took over for the Giants and became a number one guy before he started getting hurt. So Darius Slayton has the opportunity to do that. My first stock rising is Miles Sanders. Let me tell you something. Miles Sanders in the beginning of the year was someone who you couldn't really start, but would put up good games because he was the passing down guy there. Right off the bat, rookie season, he was trusted to be the passing down dude over Darren Sproles and Jordan Howard. Um, But Jordan Howard was the main back. Now, a couple things happened. First, the Eagles need to win. Second, Jordan Howard gets hurt. This creates an ultimate opportunity for Miles Sanders. In weeks 13 through 16... Miles Sanders was treated as the primary back for the first time, really, in the Doug Peterson era for the Eagles. A primary back was seen. Let's see who. Let's see what happened during these four weeks when the Eagles were fighting and needed to win and wanted their best players to have the ball. They were three and one in this time. Miles Sanders in weeks thirteen through sixteen, seventy-one yard, seventy-one rushes for three hundred and twenty-nine yards on the ground. 20 receptions on 22 targets for 173 yards and four touchdowns. Now, there's a lot of things that have to go correct for him to put that all together over a 16-game season. But what is the potential that you saw in a man's rookie season? What is the potential that if he gets the opportunity, he can be this? If you extrapolate those numbers over a 16-week period, we're talking about 288 rushes for 1,312 yards, 80 catches on 88 targets, 688 yards and 16 touchdowns. Now, the touchdowns is probably the most far-fetched of that. But if you take that, because that is the extrapolated numbers, that's 336 fantasy points. That would have made him an RB2 by by a 40-point margin over Aaron Jones this year. And that would have made him a, a winner, a championship winner. So I'm not saying that that's what he's going to be next season, but I'm saying this is the potential that he showed can happen if he becomes... The every down back. And Jordan Howard is a, a not even the every down back. The the primary back. Jordan Howard is a free agent. He might walk. Boston Scott's back there. He had some capabilities. The Eagles have never been a team to address the running back situation like that. So I could see him going to next year in the exact same situation they're in now with a better passing game. I think Miles Sanders has the ability to, to be one of those guys who ends up in the 2021 first round. I'm Miles Sanders is someone I feel like I might be priced out of going into next season. I feel like I might be a little too hesitant on his uh on his stock depending where he's going because like you just named him as a stock up. A lot of people are high on him going into next year. And for me, he just he wasn't overall a very good running back on the year. Like he had a, he a lot rookie. of ups and downs. He was a rookie. <clears throat> he was a rookie, but When he got the touches though, he did do good things with them. I mean, he also did some bad things. It's not like he was a it's not like he was a star like the entire season. He made a lot of rookie errors and just missed blocks and just cuts to no one where you shouldn't go and things of that sort. 
And yes, he could definitely improve from that, but I'm not trying to go all in on him. Like if he's a second round pick or something like that, there's I don't think I'm going to be able to take that plunge. Michael, who's your for, uh, second guy? <clears throat> My second guy, someone me and Jason did not want you to draft this season. And look at this. Now he's on my stock up because he ended up having a solid season. Uh, not tremendous fantasy-wise because he didn't find the end zone much. But going into the next season, I'm very excited about it. It's DJ Moore. I love DJ Moore. 87 reception, uh, rec- excuse me, receptions, 1,175 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns, 40 rushing yards to boot. And he is only 22 years old. He did that with Kyle Allen throwing him the ball, and Will Greer, and what, like, one half of Cam Newton. Next year, with Matt Rule and Joe Brady, it's either going to be Cam Newton, or they're going to bring in a guy, or maybe draft a QB. Either way, it's probably not going to be anyone as bad as Kyle Allen or Will Greer, that uh, the way they played this year. And he was still able to put up over 1,100 yards and produce consistent double-digit points fantasy-wise all season despite the really bad quarterback play and the fact that the best fantasy player in the world, Christian McCaffrey, is getting 40% of the team's touches. It's just absurd what he was able to do this year with the quarterback play that was in front of him. So he has big boom potential if the Panthers are able to right their quarterback ship. Facts. Love him. I want to go with another guy in that same class, Cortland Sutton. Um, and kind of the same story as DJ Moore, too. Had to deal with a lot of quarterback <laughs> changes, but finished as the Wide receiver 19 in half PPR, even though he had three different quarterbacks throwing the ball. Joe Flacco, the other Allen, and Drew Locke. I said it. I said Drew Locke. Drew Locke. You, you said, said it a little weird, but... I did. I said Drew Locke. I meant Drew Locke. Is he Jewish? I don't know. That would be a cool nickname. Drew Locke. He's like... Why would Ju- that be a cool nickname? Because he's Jewish and he's Locke. He's got it on lock. Drew Locke. Instead of Drew Lock, find out if he's Jewish. <laughs> um, but he put up games of over sixteen points with each of the QBs. So he also not only proved that he was quarterback proof, he proved that he's quarterback proof to the point where he can be a wide receiver, high wide receiver two, low wide receiver one, depending on the week with any quarterback. Uh, now Pat Shermer is coming in as his offensive coordinator. The last place he was, Minnesota, he had two big fantasy wide receivers, um, obviously Thielen and Diggs. Before that, he was the offensive coordinator under Chip Kelly um, with the Eagles. Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson, and Jordan Matthews all had giant years while he was the the OC. Um, he has proven that he's good with young quarterbacks. Daniel Jones had a very good year this year. Um, fumbled the ball a lot, but besides that, through the air, had a very good year. Um, this is the second year for Drew Locke. This should be an improvement. Um, things are looking up for that team in terms of offensive-mindedness and offensive openness with Pat Shermer coming on. So I think Cortland Sutton, every all the, all the, all the circumstances that he played under this year are going to be better next year. Yeah. So he's going to be in a better circumstance regardless. And this they year, fired he fired Scandrello. Right. Uh, no more Fangio and Scandrello. No One less Fangio and Scandrello with a Motadella boss. Bringing a, a Sharma. Sharma. Uh, it's not as fun. What is that, Sharma? Come on. Sharma. Sharma. It's like chicken and rice. Shawarma. Yum. All right. That's it. Fangio and Scandrello are done. It's done. RIP segment. Moving on. <laughs> My last stock rising, another young wide receiver. I'm all over the young wide receivers today. I'm a wide receiver guy at heart. Tim, I want you to guess how many yards, because I feel like this is going a little bit unnoticed, how good of a season he had. How many yards Michael Gallup had this year? It was like 900, right? 1,107. Wow. And he missed two games. In 14 games, Michael Gallup had 66 receptions. 1,107 yards, great yards per reception, and six touchdowns. Another second-year guy. 183 and a half This is three straight second-year wide receivers. Yeah. Three straight second-year wide receivers that have uh, taken a very nice step up. Uh, Outscored Cooper in a bunch of games this year. I mean, mean, they basically went back and forth on who the 1A was for that game every week. And now Amari Cooper might be gone. Michael Gallup might need to step up and be that number one target. 
If Amari Cooper's gone, it's going to be Gallup, Cobb, and who? Like, they're going to need to either draft a wide receiver, bring someone in, because right now they don't really have any other options. Maybe Blake Jarwin gets a bigger role in that offense. But Michael Gallup, man, he, in his second, his first year, he had a very nice rookie season. And then he really took a step up this year as well, 1,100 yards in 14 games. I mean, people would be talking about him a lot more, I think, if he played those two games, if he just averaged what he was averaging and ended the uh, the year with like 1,280 yards and seven touchdowns. I think people would be talking about him a lot more. Factors. Factors. Um, my third guy is Kenyon Drake. Um, the reason why Kenyon Drake is in this list for me is because not only because <laughs> Not only because he won people championships in his last two weeks, 39.1 and 31.9. That's a little symmetrical. That's symmetrical. Uh, points in each of the last two weeks. Also had a game of 26.2 and a game of 11. He had he had some good games this year. Mostly it's because he got traded for. And the Cardinals sat their former borderline MVP, definitely fantasy MVP, running back in David Johnson in favor of Kenyon Drake. And Kenyon Drake is going to be in two situations next year. He's going to either be in in uh, Arizona with a new contract, or he's going to be on another team with a new contract. And either way, he's going to be making probably in the range of plus Mark Mark Ingram money, eight nine million dollars a year, which is a giant investment in a running back if you're an NFL team. He's going to get work. He's going to get burned. I think because of the situation that he put himself in where he had such a strong end of the season that he got traded for draft capital and because he's talented. This is a guy that we've said is talented for a long time. Um, the way he played at the end of the season, I think he set himself up for a big payday and that big payday is going to set himself up for um, a real crack at being the main focal point in an offense next year. We'll see. I think it's uh, pretty risky here though because <clears throat> David Johnson has a huge cap hit so they're not going to cut him. So he's still going to be there. You don't know if they're going to want to spend even more money on a running back because now Kenyon Drake is probably going to ask for, like you said, Mark Ingram-type money. So, I mean, we'll see if he's back there or if he signs somewhere else, if it's his backfield or if he has to split with someone again. There's a bunch of good young running backs coming out of the draft this year as well, Swift and Taylor and ETN and all those guys. So he's definitely someone you're going to have to keep an eye on during the uh, during the offseason. ETN sounds like an acronym. Yeah. Stands for every Timmy Nelson. Every Timmy Nelson. Did you read all your guys? I did. Me too. All right, let's get into our last segment, of course, because we're masochists. we got to end with the negative. The stock down. Some guys that going into next year, oh, man, what are we going to do with these dudes? The worst day on Wall Street since the crash of 1987. The down traders are standing there watching in amazement, and I don't blame them. We're now down 43%. Almost everything there completely wiped out. And the NASDAQ, everything and more has been completely wiped out. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. I'm going to go first, man. My first guy is James Conner. It really hurts me to say this because I was a James Conner fan going in the beginning of the season. And I don't even think that necessarily he won't be a guy who you can draft in the second round successfully next year. But his stock is down because I now know that he's dependent on quarterback play. Um, and he can't stay healthy. I thought that's what the main draw here was. He just can't stay healthy. I'll get there. I'll get there. Even when he does play, when he's not hurt, he's not. he, has a, he wasn't great this entire season. He had a really hot streak. Where between week four and week eight, where he put up three, three performances of twenty-two or better, so he does he did flash what you thought you could get from James Conner this season. Um, I remember making a trade for James Conner, and thinking to myself, I just won a championship in one of my leagues. That's how much I believe in James Conner. He did not reward those expectations, particularly because he wasn't on the field. Um, and he showed that he needs that Steelers offense to be great in order to be great. Now, is he a good runner? Yes. Is he a good pass catcher? Yes. Is he great at these things? I thought that he could be going into the season. I now don't think that he can be. I think that he could be good and great in a great situation. So James Conner's stock is a little down for me because I'm, I'm no longer buying into the James Conner uh, stock. I'm more into the James Conner and the Pittsburgh offense stock. He also just can't stay healthy, so there's that. That too. Yeah. My first stock down here, Tim, people thought our victory laps were over with we saw that coming. 
Silly. Silly listeners. <laughs> Sony Michelle. Oh, boy. Ended with 912 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. It does not seem like he actually ended up with that high of a numbers. But, yeah, the main draw for Sony Michelle this year was all those random people who decided he was going to be involved in the passing game, as if there was ever any indication of that. Ended with 12 receptions for 94 yards. No touchdowns through the air. I mean, he ended up just being an absolute mess if you drafted him in the third or fourth round, like his ADP uh, was telling you to draft him at. And now he's going into next season with the same Patriots offense. I'm sure there'll be some uh, moves made there, but, I mean, they're still going to have James White. They still have Rex Burkhead, I believe. And uh, Damian Harris is another year older. Tom Brady still can't throw. I mean, Tom Brady last year obviously took a step down and... He's not going to turn it around at 43 years old. I don't care what people say. I know he's Tom Brady, but he's not superhuman. Uh, that that Patriots offense is no longer what it once was. They don't have Gronk anymore. I mean, unless they make some big changes, that offense shouldn't really change that much. And Sonny Michelle is just, at this point, he is what he is. One thing that people aren't talking about is, yeah, they're talking about how there's no offensive weapons, offensive weapons and how Tom Brady um, is getting old now. They're not paying attention to the fact that the Patriots have not been good drafters of late. And, and they traded a second-round pick for Mosa New. Right. And, I mean, you're looking at the last two first-round picks for them. It's Sony Michelle, who, not for nothing, didn't even start over Nick Chubb at Georgia. And the Patriots made the assessment that Sony Michelle was the superior back. And I think it's very clear that Nick Chubb is the superior, this is the superior back. And then he drafted him in the first round when Chubb went in the... In the second. second, very close behind. I think they were like two or three picks apart. And then this year, Nikhil Harry, who I know was hurt, but look at these other rookie quarterbacks that we just talked about. I mean, wide these receivers. rookie wide receivers. Yeah. And these second-year guys that we just talked about. Like all these young wide receivers that are being super productive. And then you have... Nikhil Harry. Right. Yeah. Who people said in the offseason does, doesn't have that it factor. He's more of just like a every-down Anquan Bolden type. Yeah, I mean, I'm Which not going to judge Harry yet because of just he wasn't really able to play much. But yeah, definitely not what you definitely not the st- the foot you wanted to get your Patriots career started on. Right. Um, my second guy is Odell Beckham Jr. Um, look, <sighs> he's overrated. <laughs> I know it's how it's did not nice to say because he has a cool haircut, but. He, they thought that he was going to make Baker Mayfield better, and he made him worse. You see him handing money to the LSU players? I'm going to get to that in a second. And you could say what you want, but when you have a loudmouth wide receiver, bro, that, you, that you're kind of forced to work with, it sucks out your confidence as a, as a quarterback. I know that this is not the same. When I was a quarterback, I had a loudmouth fucking superstar wide receiver that I just needed to shut the fuck up every once in a while. So I, I forced him the ball, and I made some mistakes because of it. And I know it's not the same. So don't don't your Tim's making it seem like he played no. I know what the difference is between me playing quarterback and him. But I'm just saying these things happen. I felt them. Besides that, he can't stay out of his own goddamn way. Like, no, he's not a criminal. He shouldn't be treated like a criminal. But he does dumb shit. Like hand college players money on the sideline. And I'm and I'm the Apparently first he said guy it was fake money. Yeah, okay. I'm the first guy to tell you. I'm the first guy to tell you. These college kids should get paid, 100%. I even have a plan for them to get paid. The same way I got paid in college for being the editor of my student newspaper. It was a very simple process called a stipend. I have I have a whole plan. If they come to me for whatever reason, I'm ready. They should get paid. OBJ shouldn't be hitting them cash on the sideline after the game. He was making a fool of himself on the sideline after the game. You I see don't know him, what that was, honestly. You, I was just like... Counting money and like just giving him a pound of mad money in his hand. He's probably like, drunk doing? as fuck with these college kids, bro. Like, yo, he after all the games, he would go up to people and and go like, oh, you know, you should come get me to mad people. That was a report the, Niners, the whole yeah. time. The Niners, mad people, <sighs> and and then he kind of rubbed off on Jarvis Landry. I feel like Jarvis Landry was giving the coach some shit this year, and yeah, Freddie Kitchens deserves some shit, but at the same time. The baggage is just too much for me. OBJ, it's been now since 2016 since he's had a good season. And if you're looking at a guy like David Johnson, that's the last time he had a good... No, actually, that's not even true. David Johnson had a good season last year. Eh. 
David Johnson has been more relevant than OBJ. But if you ask people around, people are like, what? David Johnson has been good forever. Neither has OBJ. And he was injured again. So I just, I'm off the OBJ train until he can show me that he's that guy again. Can't blame you. So I'm with you there. I mean, OBJ has been ridiculously frustrating as a human and as a uh, <clears throat> as a fantasy player over the last few years. How many yards did he end up with? 1,035. 1, yeah, like he had a worse season than Michael Gallup. Yeah, and people are like, well, he had a 1,000-yard season. Well, you know, that's 60 yards a game. And you're expected to have a 1,000-yard season when you're OBJ. My stock down is someone who, man, I don't think people realize how bad he was this year. It's uh, it's Terry Cohen. Yeah. Um, last year Terry Cohen had 444 rushing yards and 99 attempts, which is a solid like just over 4.44 rushing yards per attempt. But his main draw, obviously, 71 receptions on 91 targets, nice conversion rate. 725 yards on the 71 reception. So over a 10 yards per reception. He had um, eight touchdowns on the year. It was altogether like a perfect year for Terry Cohen. This year, 64 rushes for 213 yards. So his yards per carry went down, and he didn't get nearly uh, as much work. And his receivings, uh, his receiving uh, skills just seemed like they severely diminished because he got 100 and four targets, 104 targets. He turned that into 79 receptions, 456 yards. That's almost like five yards per reception. That is absolutely atrocious. That is like what bad running backs average. And only three touchdowns on the year. He was supposed to be like the zero RB guy that you draft mid-rounds. I I didn't like Terry Cohen this year because I don't want to believe in a gadget player. And if you didn't, if you did draft him, you were, it was a headache all season, and he really did not have any good games, maybe two or three. Yeah, two or three. One, of his best one coming against me in one of my, the, the craziest heartbreaking weeks of my life. But yeah, dude, 70, 79 receptions for four hundred fifty six yards is just so bad. <sighs> Tariq Cohen, you are a uh, product of the offense you were in, my friend. I think that whole offense has two people to blame, and one of them is coming up next. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky. Oh, snap. Mitch Trubisky is my stock down player. Coming into the year, I said that I wanted two players at quarterback. I wanted Mitchell Trubisky or I wanted Josh Allen. Well, Josh Allen finishes the QB6, so I wasn't that far off. But I was singing Mitch Trubisky's praises. On another show, I said there's a chance he could win MVP. Now, the steps that I expected him to take up, he took down. He took way down. Um, he was used incorrectly. He's not a pocket passer. He's not accurate at all. He needs to be making plays on the run where he's more accurate, where he's not thinking. Dude's not very smart. He needs to not think that much. He overthinks. He underthrows. He underthinks. He overthrows. I'm very de- just depressed talking about Mr. Whiskey right now. If you're not, I, th- I thought that this was going to be my shining. I told you so moment. No, no, no. Here we are a week, a year later, and I'm talking about Mr. Bisky being my stock down. I mean, not for nothing, me and Jason were saying you were really dumb the whole time. Jason was on my side. He was not. Jason said he thought that Mr. Bisky would be fantasy relevant this year. Fantasy relevant, sure, but we laughed at your Mr. Bisky top five MVP takes and things like that. I mean, yeah. I mean, that was like, uh, you know, it was... Oh, which reminds me, I got to pay Terrence... I got a, I made a bet with one of our guys, Taron. Um, he said, Mitch Trubisky, top five MVP voting, um, twenty five dollars to to a charity. So I got I got to donate twenty five dollars to the to the Red Cross for the the fires in Australia. I just don't want to give any money to the Red Cross because I know like ninety eight percent of that goes into their CEO pockets and like six cents is gonna go to Australia. I'm sure you could send it somewhere else other than Red Cross. I mean, who's? I the problem is they're the most trusted one, and they take like. 90%. You know, it's like, the rest of them, I don't know where the fuck it's going. What are you going to do? I'm going to give it to the <laughs> Red Cross. All right. You got to do what you got to do. My yeah. last stock falling. And this is going to end our show, right? You're all done? All done. We're ending it with one of our favorites here on Brodo. Tim, any idea who it is? We have a shirt for him. 
To Jiminy, yeah, cricket. Uh, to Jiminy, yeah, cricket. Sadly, I have to put him on this list because coming off a 500-yard, excuse me, coming off a 1,270-yard, six-touchdown season last year, he put up 500 yards, 501 yards, and five touchdowns. Blech. And he's now 30 years old, dealt with injuries again, going into the next season with a huge question mark at quarterback. Clearly, Jacoby Brissett's not the long-term answer, as you've been trying to say forever. We thought it was hilarious that people ever thought he was. So they're either going to have to draft a quarterback, sign a quarterback, or give Jacoby Brissett another year behind the helm. And that's just not going to work for T.Y. Hilton. With Brissett at QB, they ran the ball a bunch. They just tried to control the offense and play defense, uh, limit the opposing offenses. And the downfield threat of T.Y. Hilton was not nearly the same without Andrew Luck at QB. And... Like I said, now 30 years old with question marks at wide receiver. I'm trying to move. Uh, I'm trying to move on from T.Y. Hilton. We got to move on from the show. Yes, we do. Um, one more time, I just want to give a shout out, a sincere shout out, um, to those people on Twitter who call themselves experts that told people to stash Jay Ajay in Week Four. Yeah, Jay Ajay's uh, quasi parents, as I like to call them. Yeah. Acted like they were all like, oh, you got to add Jay Ajay. Oh, I love him, my son. They called it fantasy malpractice that we were telling people not to pick up Jay Ajay. They said the that words fantasy malpractice. That was great. Michael, where could they find you? At Brodo Mike FF. Oh, wait. Nope. At Brodo FF Mike. Still getting used to it. At Brodo FF Tim. At Brodo Fantasy for everyone. BrotoFantasy.com. Patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy. <laughs> Until next time. This is... The only episode you're going to get for free this week. Join the Patreon, patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy. For a second episode where we'll be um, previewing the championship, uh, AFC and NFC championship games. And we're going to be doing some over-under on ADPs next season for the guys you heard on this podcast. So if you want to know, um, we we're talking about like Miles Sanders might, um, what, what did you call it? Be too rich for you? What did you yeah. say? Might yeah, he might, too rich for might be too rich for you. Well, we'll see where Michael thinks he's going to go. We'll see where I think he's going to go. We'll see what the people are saying. So check that out, patreon.com slash Fantasy. Until next time, peace. Later.